Talking Head, The Covid Diaries, written and performed by Tim Browse. The Prime Minister issued a total lockdown last night. Unfortunately, Jemima had just that afternoon booked herself two weeks away in St Ives, to give me some space during this difficult time, apparently. I had tried to point out that now may not be such a good time to go on holiday, but for that she had scolded me and said that she was just doing her bit to support the tourism industry. She didn't seem quite so supportive of the tourism industry when she received an email saying that her cancelled accommodation was non-refundable. I left her on the sofa, composing an angry email to Airbnb, threatening legal action and a zero-star review on TripAdvisor. I opted to go to bed quietly excited about the impact lockdown would have on my morning journey to work. As it turned out, it took me 15 minutes to get to work this morning. It would have taken 10, had I not been stopped by the police who tried to have me arrested for being out and about during lockdown. And where are you off to this morning, sir? the officer had asked. I tried to tell him that I was on my way to work, but he kept on asking to see my NHS identification card. When I told him I didn't have one, he just laughed and asked if I'd forgotten my stethoscope as well. In the end, I had to show him my head teacher lanyard and direct him to my school's online Ofsted report. After he'd read that and told me that he hoped I'd done something about the inconsistent teaching in year four, he let me go. When I finally got to work, I headed down to one of the classrooms where Sean, my deputy head, was giving the teachers a pep talk about how to manage social distancing with the children. As long as the desks are spaced out and the children never leave their seats, Sean was saying, everything will be fine. Miss Pringle, one of our reception teachers, asked how she was meant to keep a group of five-year-olds sat down all day, given that they can't stay still for more than five minutes. Well, Sean said, that's a really good question, and at times like this, it's really important that we all feel able to ask questions. Miss Pringle said that she had just asked a question, and that what she really wanted was an answer. Sean said that she acknowledged Miss Pringle's question, and that she would seek to have an answer by the end of the day. Miss Pringle was just in the middle of saying that it would be far more helpful to have an answer now when the school bell rang, prompting Sean to wish everyone luck and reassure them that she would be on hand throughout the day to help and advise as necessary. I walked with Sean to the school gate, complimenting her on having fully developed the leadership skills of not answering a question by talking absolute rubbish. We opened the gate and watched the parents walk their children into school. Suddenly, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around and was surprised to see the doe-eye face of Mrs Jenkins staring directly into mine. "'What on earth are you doing here?' I asked. She clasped my face in her hands and said, "'Wasn't it good news that Kizzy was not one of the infected?' Wriggling my way out of her clutches and reaching for my pocket hand sanitizer, I asked if she had taken Kizzy for a Covid test. Mrs Jenkins said that she hadn't needed to get Kizzy tested as her symptoms had cleared up the moment she'd got home. I gave Kizzy a knowing stare as I massaged a large blob of alcohol gel into my face. Mrs Jenkins continued, announcing that she was also a key worker. You're a key worker, I asked, trying not to sound surprised. She nodded and told me that she was a volunteer at the local community allotment. I said that I wasn't sure that planting vegetables qualified as key worker status, but she just laughed and said that she had a whole tray of runner bean seedlings that would beg to differ. Fearing that I was losing my grip on the situation, I turned to Sean for some assistance, but she had left my side and was now running down to reception, where little Frankie Wallace had jumped onto Miss Pringle's back, demanding to be ridden around the classroom and shouting giddy-up horsey. 
Mrs Jenkins squeezed my arm and said that she was so glad to see that I was running the school as normal. I smiled as I felt my face tingle and begin to go numb, and I wondered how on earth was it only Monday? When I returned home last night, I was greeted at the door by Jemima. I say greeted, before I could get the key in the lock she'd flung open the door, was standing in the doorway brandishing a mop and ordering me to strip off before I come into the house. She threw a bin bag in my general direction and told me to put all of my infected clothes in there and take them round to the garden incinerator. When I asked her why couldn't I at least come into the porch, she just waved the mop at me and shook her head. Sensing this was a battle I was never going to win, I dutifully took off my clothes and started to stuff them into the bin liner before hurrying into the downstairs cloakroom. But not before Mr Wilkins from over the road gave me a wolf whistle and asked if this striptease was going to happen every evening. Arriving at work today, I headed straight to the classrooms to say hello to the teachers. I found them all gathered in the staff room, practically sitting on each other's laps. Sorry to disturb, I interjected, but have any of you actually read the memo on social distancing? They looked at me like I was a parent turning up at a rave. And then Mr Richards asked what I thought about our approach to home learning. Um, it hasn't quite been finalised yet, I said, but I am very keen to make sure that whatever we put in place, that it is sensible, measured and manageable. That's interesting, said Mr Richards, in a tone that I can only describe as being highly irritating. Didn't you read the memo on home learning? Not knowing what he was referring to, I simply smiled and said that of course I had, and then I asked him what year group he was covering. Reception, he told me. Oh, with little Frankie Wallace, I said. That is interesting. Do have a good day, Mr Richards. As I walked out of the staff room, I saw Sean and asked her if she had sent out any memos about home learning recently. She said, only the one last night. Right, I said, and was I sent it? Sean shook her head, reminding me that I had specifically told her not to copy me into every email she sends the staff. Yes, I know that, Sean, I said, but that was not meant to include important emails. Just those emails about the staff Christmas do, or sports day, or children in need. You know, the things that don't really matter. Sean sighed and got out her phone to forward me the email, and added that she really didn't appreciate my lack of clarity when it came to communication expectations. As I began reading her email that had just pinged through to my phone, I realised with a depressing level of certainty that getting clarity on my communication expectations was the least of our problems. According to the memo that went out to staff, our school would be at the forefront of the online home learning school revolution. Apparently, it has something to do with live streaming lessons each and every day, online assessment quizzes, well-being video calls with every child, and something that, when I read it, turned my blood to ice. Daily virtual assemblies and stories read by the school's senior leadership team. I think we need a meeting, I said. Over the next hour, Sean tried to explain to me how vital it was for us to harness technology in order to make sure that every child continued to have a meaningful learning experience during lockdown. I then tried to explain to Sean that it was all very well us harnessing technology, but what about those families who only have one phone between them and can only get a decent 3G connection by hanging out the bathroom window? Where are they going to be at the end of this online home learning school revolution? And, I said, what about safeguarding? At the mention of safeguarding, Sean said that she had already thought about this and that there was an online course for all staff that took them through how to spot abuse in the home during extended times of isolation. I said, I wasn't thinking about the children, Sean. 
I was thinking about the poor teacher whose live-streamed image would be screen-grabbed by a disgruntled ex-pupil and photoshopped onto a video of two gibbons humping to the tune of everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. To her credit, Sean did concede that she hadn't thought about that specific possibility, although she did feel my song choice was a bit dated. In the end, we agreed that a second memo would go out, explaining that, while we were still very keen on being at the forefront of the online home-learning school revolution, we would wait and see what other schools did first. As we sent the memo off, Mrs Wrangle came in to say that Mr Richards had just called to say that Frankie Wallace was being a bit of a handful. Sean got up and said that she would go down and help, but I interjected and said that Mr Richards was a pretty resourceful chap and that I was sure he would be just fine. Steve Templeton rang me this morning to see how everything was going, which is code for he wants to tell me how brilliantly things are going for him. For 20 minutes I had to listen to him bang on about how he'd given every disadvantaged kid in his school a free laptop so they could take part in their online interactive teaching programme. I asked him to remind me exactly how many disadvantaged children were in his school and after he replied, it's just the one family now, he changed the subject and asked if I was attending the local authority Zoom meeting about free school meals. Not knowing what he was talking about, I said that I most definitely was looking to engage with that before saying that I had to end the call now as there was an army of disadvantaged parents outside my office who all wanted to thank me for the support I was giving them. I asked Gavin, the school business manager, to see if he knew anything about this Zoom meeting. He said that he wasn't aware of the meeting but that if it was an official email from the local authority I should check my junk mail. Sure enough, there in my junk mail was a link to a Zoom invitation to the meeting that was due to start in five minutes. I clicked on the link and typed in the meeting ID code and password, and after a second or two, my computer screen was suddenly filled with a load of familiar faces. I say familiar. It was quite difficult to work out who was who. Some faces were shrouded in near-total darkness, some were so low down you could only see the top of their heads, whilst others loomed over their screens like some despotic dictator. One head teacher had positioned themselves so close to their camera you could practically count their nasal hairs. Then, realising that was me, I quickly turned my camera off and waited for the meeting to start. The meeting started with an introduction from the city's director of education, although to begin with nobody could hear what he was saying as he hadn't turned his microphone on. When he'd finally twigged and turned it on, he laughed and said something about how by the end of the meeting we'd all wish he had kept the microphone off. Cue the dutiful smiles and silent laughs from the heads on display. He then went on to thank us all for our efforts over these last few days and that we were all doing a splendid job of educating the city's children and keeping them safe. I couldn't help but notice that most of the heads who were now nodding in sage agreement and giving the director a virtual thumbs up didn't seem to be themselves sat inside their own schools unless their head teacher's office decorating budget vastly exceeded my own. Maybe that was why there were so many video screens turned off Perhaps everyone was sat at home, still in their pyjamas or in the bath. To make a point, I turned my video on whilst muttering, at least some of us are at bloody work. Sorry, did someone say something? The director asked. Turns out I hadn't turned my screen on, but instead turned on my computer's microphone. Mortified, I quickly turned it off and hoped that nobody would ever know that was me. A little chat box popped up on my screen and Steve Templeton sent me a private message. Good one, mate. You tell them. 
The director continued, saying that the city had just done a deal with a local food supplier and that if schools signed up for it, they would take control of distributing food for families eligible for free school meals. This was met with more nodding heads, so to cover my back from earlier, I carefully turned on my camera and joined in. I couldn't be sure, but I was pretty certain that just before he logged off, the director was glaring right at me. I arrived home to find Jemima working on her sewing machine, surrounded by a mountain of what looked like to be my pants. She looked up and informed me that she was making face masks. Apparently, Mr Wilkins from over the road had made a YouTube video showing you how to make a coronavirus face mask out of old underwear and had shared it on the neighbourhood WhatsApp group. I looked at all my pants on the floor and pointed out that it didn't look like she was using old underwear. In fact, I said, as I picked up a pair, these ones are my weekend favourites. She whipped the pants out of my hand and told me to stop being selfish. Then she told me I was to strip off and add the pants I was wearing to the pile before showering and making her dinner. Later on in the evening, after I'd cleared away the plates and was making the coffee, I asked Jemima who she thought would want to wear a mask made out of my pants anyway. She said that she had advertised them on the neighbourhood WhatsApp group and that Maureen from next door in particular had placed an exceptionally large order. Jemima then added that it could be a nice idea for me to give them to staff. I put down the cafetiere and said that there was not a cat in hell's chance of that happening. Jemima frowned and said that she thought heads were meant to look after their staff's well-being. I tried to explain that even if her masks were humanity's last defence against coronavirus, it still would not be in the best interest of staff well-being to make them cover their faces with a pair of my pants. Jemima shrugged, waited for me to pour the coffee, and then said that she was tired and going to bed. Sean collared me in the staff car park this morning and asked whether I'd thought any more about our approach to home learning. In particular, the idea of setting up a school YouTube channel so that I could post virtual assemblies and record some bedtime stories. I said that I'd given it a great deal of thought and that the answer was no. Sean sighed and said that a school YouTube channel was a brilliant idea. She then added that it would help me connect with families. This would help counteract the opinion people had of me that I was aloof. I pointed out that I had spent an entire career trying to be aloof, so that when I reached the dizzying heights of head teacher, people would leave me alone so I could get on with it. Sean then told me that she had already set up a school YouTube account and that all I had to do was to record a short video welcoming people to the channel, followed by one assembly a week and maybe a couple of stories. Fearing that this conversation was going to go on longer than lockdown, I gave in. Fine, I said. I will record a brief introductory message and one story, followed by two assemblies per term. Any more content than that will have to be down to you, but I want comments disabled and under no circumstance are you to promote it on Twitter. At this, Sean looked crestfallen. But, she said, if we don't promote it properly, how will we go viral? Go viral, I said. I would have thought that given the current climate, going viral would be the last thing we'd want. Sean opened her mouth and I sensed yet another patronising lesson on digital terminology coming on, so I ended the conversation saying that she could promote our YouTube channel from the school Twitter account. As I walked up to my office, I chose to ignore her protests that we actually don't have a school Twitter account. Near the end of the day, Gavin comes into my office to say that we have received several complaints from some of our families who have received the local authorities' free school meal deliveries. 
I asked Gavin what are the complaints regarding and he says that most of our Muslim families who were on the list appear to have been given ham sandwiches. I ask him if he's joking and he says no. I ask him if he means ham as in ham ham and he says yes. Right, I say, can we opt out of this local authority scheme and try and do this ourselves? Gavin says we can but that it will play havoc with our school dinners budget. Sean comes in to ask if I've heard that we've sent ham sandwiches to all of our Muslim families. Hang on, Sean, I say. First, it isn't we've sent them. And it wasn't even all of our Muslim families. Apparently some of them didn't answer the door. Sean asks what we're going to do about it, and I inform her that Gavin is going to place an alternative food order that will be delivered tomorrow. Sean says that this would make a great video for our school YouTube channel. Head teacher looks out for his community and provides them with high-quality food during lockdown. Gavin says he's not sure how high-quality the food will be this late on in the day. Well, as long as you're not sending them pork scratchings, she says, I don't think anyone is going to complain about the quality. I then tell Sean that I'm not sure a video is the most appropriate way forward, but then again, it would be quicker than writing a letter. So, I tuck in my shirt and straighten my tie, find the one bit of work on the hall display board that doesn't have any spelling mistakes on, stand in front of it and record my first YouTube video. After Sean has uploaded it, I message Jemima with the link and ask her what she thinks. She replies back with a red-faced emoji blowing a kiss, which I take to be a good sign. She follows this up with another message, saying that she thinks it's so good she's going to share it with the neighbourhood WhatsApp group. Sean is in my office first thing in the morning to tell me that my video has been a total success. We've had lots of emails from parents thanking me for my swift response and positive action of sending out our own free school meals. I check with Gavin that our own free school meal orders have gone ahead and he says yes, but that they will be food parcels rather than ready-made pat lunches. Ooh, Sean says, food hampers, that's got a nice ring to it. And for the first time since all this lockdown business began, I'm actually feeling rather positive about things. Just after midday, Mrs Wrangle comes into my office to say that we're being inundated with complaints from families who have received our new food hampers. The complaints all seem to be about the butter substitute that was included in each hamper. Butter substitute, I say. What, like a buttery spread? No, Mrs Wrangle says, more like a type of cooking butter. What do you mean a type of cooking butter, I ask? Spit it out, Mrs Wrangle. What did we give them? Lard, she says. I ring for Gavin, but he is already coming into my office apologising and saying that he isn't sure how this has happened. He thinks he must have clicked happy for substitutes when he placed the order. Mrs Wrangle says that she did that once at Christmas, and instead of a Christmas pudding she got a Muller fruit corner. I say thank you, Mrs Wrangle. Back to the phones now, if you please. After she's gone, I tell Gavin that he needs to drive around to every supermarket in the local area, buy up all of their best quality butter, and then hand deliver one pack to every family who received a complimentary tub of lard with their school hamper this morning. Gavin begins to ask me if I have any idea what this will do to the school dinner budget, but clearly thinks better of it, and leaves my office to dig out the school credit card. I call Sean in and say that we might need to make another YouTube video, but she informs me that our account is currently down. I ask Sean what she means and she says that our YouTube channel has been taken offline due to inappropriate content. Sean thinks that our account has been hacked. She then hands me her phone and shows me a video that was uploaded to our account late last night. 
It is a video of me from a few nights ago outside my front door and taking off all my clothes. Sean says that whoever has done this may not have the best camera work, but they do seem to have a good sense of humour, as they've overdubbed the video with the song Hot In Here by Nelly. I look at Sean and suggest that she keep her opinions on what constitutes good humour to herself. She apologises and says that the video itself isn't the worst part. I feel sick and tell her to come out with it. Sean grimaces and says that before YouTube took the video down, it was seen over one and a half million times. I have, it appears, gone viral. Mrs Wrangle comes in and says that the City Director of Education wants to book me in for a Zoom to talk about cultural sensitivity and digital safeguarding and is now a good time. I decide to go for a walk around the school to help clear my head. On my way around, I meet Akram, who is, according to him, taking a five-minute rest from the class's Joe Wicks workout. I ask him what is a Joe Wicks workout and he tells me to open the class door to see for myself. I open the door and see a group of red-faced children running on the spot as fast as they can, whilst a chirpy-looking man on the screen is telling them to keep on going and feel the burn. I look around for the teacher and see that poor Mrs Ambrose is lying in a sweaty heap on the floor, clutching her inhaler and making some worryingly loud wheezing noises. I close the door. Proper mad, innit, sir, says Akram. I nod my head and ask him how long these workouts usually go on for. He says that each workout lasts 30 minutes, which is then followed by an enforced hour-long cool-down session, which, according to Akram, mainly involves the children doing some mindfulness colouring whilst Mrs Ambrose finds her way back onto her chair. I left Akram to his self-imposed five-minute rest and returned to my office. My head cleared and with a vague idea of who may have recorded and uploaded my striptease YouTube video, I sat down and messaged Jemima. I asked her if she needed any more of my pants for her face masks. She replied instantly, a yellow-handed thumbs up. Interpreting this as a positive sign, I messaged again to say that it would be nice to give Mr Wilkins one as a thank you for the YouTube video and that she can use the pants I'm wearing at the moment to make one. Jemima messages me to ask when I'll be back home. Not too long, I message. I just need to complete my Joe Wicks workout and then my sweaty pants and I will be on our way. You have been listening to Talking Head, The Covid Diaries, written and performed by Tim Browse. All characters and events are entirely fictitious and are not based on any real people or events. Any similarities are entirely coincidental and should be taken up with Her Majesty's Government. Brained Comedy, visit our website, brainedcomedy.com, and subscribe to our podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, and all good podcatchers. 